Hi guys and welcome back to the JST Compete podcast. Uh, today we have Stephen Fawcett, Jack Cornplay and myself, Kyle Clark. Um, and again, we're going to bring you another episode. In today's topic, we're going to throw it back to regionals and talking about the competition itself. Um, so just giving the insight from the lads have obviously experienced it. Um, how are you guys anyway? Good, all good? All good. Looking forward to this one. Good bit of reminiscence. Always good to reminisce a few experiences and share some stories. So, um, yeah, looking forward to see what questions you've got to fire at us. Yeah, the good old days. Bring back the memories. So, kicking it off for one of our first questions is, uh, what are your first memories of regionals? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start, Jack. My, my first memory, although my first regionals was actually 2011, um, remembering stuff from it, I can remember one or two things, but it's not very, um, it's not very clear. Uh, it doesn't, I don't really feel like that was my first regionals experience because it was, I don't know, it just didn't seem like regionals, if that makes sense. But, so my first individual one was in 2012, um, and that was when it was in Copenhagen. Um, and for some reason, the first, the, 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 well, the only like clear memory I have of that regionals was one of the workouts. I think it was a second workout uh, on the first day. It was row two k, fifty pistols, and then thirty hang power cleans at one hundred and two kilos. And it's like you think of that workout now, and it's like that's fucking hard. Yeah. Like, imagine how hard that was eight years ago <laughs> when your max power clean was 110 like it was because uh, that was like the big workout that got announced is like they announced that and it was like we in Europe we always knew the workouts for like four to six weeks for some reason we were always like one of the last weekends to go so um, the amount of hang power cleans I must have done in that lead up just for that workout because um, you know you didn't want to be that guy that couldn't lift it. Um, the one thing I remember is like most people would string them together in twos, threes, get to singles eventually. It'd end up being one deadlift, one hand power clean, drop it. <laughs> um, but Lucas Hogberg, this was this must have been it's probably his first regionals appearance as well. I remember he, he had just longer hair, but bit bit like mine, but really long, and swept over like this. <laughs> and he was just doing like sets of 10 with 100 kilos and it was just like you know you think of it now and it's like yeah that's not too bad now but back then he was just whipping about 100 kilos like it was absolutely nothing and it was just like it was this big I remember him as this big unit I mean he still is a big unit um and all I remember thinking coming back from that regionals is just getting back and thinking I need to get I need to get big I need to get strong like these guys because these European guys were just fucking monsters. Uh, and they were chucking 100 kilos out. It was quite a heavy year, that one. There was, although it's not heavy, there was there was Diane, so 100 kilo deadlifts. And the next event was the 100 kilo, 102 kilo hang power cleans. Um, there was 165 kilo deadlifts in the final. There was a max snatch. Uh, and there was, there was that workout, the four rounds of time of... Um, 100 meter sprint, uh, 10 dumbbell snatch with 45 kilos. 
This would have been my year to qualify for the game. <laughs> it would. It would. <laughs> and then the, the chipper was the, um, I think it was that year. Yeah, it must have been that year. Uh, the 50-40-30 chipper. I don't know if you've ever done it. It was back squats, shoulder overhead, pull up. Uh, pull up, shoulder overhead. And the squats changed. Back squats, front squats, overhead squats. Anyway, it was just a fucking... It was heavy, long. It was just a savage, um, savage weekend. But, yeah. Now I come to think about it, I do quite I do start to remember quite a few more things. But that was my that was my first official. Well, that was my first individual results anyway. What about yourself, Jack? Yeah. So when I knew we were going to talk about regionals, I, like I actually looked back at the re- regionals results, like and reminded myself of a few a few little bits because um, before I went individual in 2016 in Madrid. Like the years that I went team before that kind of it just kind of slipped my mind a little bit. Um, but going after kind of jogging my memory about that, my, the first regionals event that we, we did was um, a max snatch. And everyone in your, your team obviously had, you know, a few minutes to hit a max lift. And we actually won uh, the max snatch event as a team. Um, two years running as well. So my first kind of memory is first regionals workout that we did. We won. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, and uh, like I've only been doing CrossFit for a year or two, and obviously I, I was shitting my pants because first first events a max lift, you either hit it or you don't. <laughs> so it was you know make or break really. But yeah, um, that was kind of my did first memory. Did you play safe or did you go, did you go for the uh, big lift? So, John was obviously on the team and he's always this one that's got to, you know, just kind of, no, we're not playing it safe, we're going kind of all in, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is that kind yeah, of yeah. personality. So, we kind of had to push the numbers and we didn't play it safe and it paid off. Yeah, you know, we were pretty confident in our lifting, to be fair. Um, and we ended up winning by, I think it was like, like forty, fifty kilos or something like that. It ended wow. up being quite a lot. Um, and a few of the big teams there, like the key people, were missing lifts and stuff. So it just goes to show, like, you know, we actually were kind of decent lifters in, you know, in in Europe collectively as a as a team at that time. You know, so. Um, quite interesting, really. Yeah. That was Go on. I said, I think it reflects. Um, so, like when I was saying there, when when I got back from 2012 regionals, I mean, I, I think I snatched 75k and I, and I failed 80, um, but I could snatch like 95 or something, but it just wasn't consistent enough. And he had like a time, he had to do 20 double numbers and then snatch in like 50 seconds or something. Anyway, it was like like I said, I got back from that. I was like, right, I need to get bigger, I need to get stronger, I need to get my Olympic lifting better. So we. Um, like you said, there's John in the team. We just put like way more focus onto our Olympic lifting, and I think that um, I think we were we weren't one of the first to do it. But in terms of like Europe and the UK, we were doing a lot more weightlifting than other people were doing their training. Like at that point, that point, people were just doing hard workouts still. Um, they're just like you know finding a workout that smash them to bits and uh, and do it. Whereas we started to get a bit more kind of uh, technical than. Um, start drilling proper Olympic weightlifting and we got advice from, from coaches around us 
Um, and I think that's that's kind of why that we had the three girls. I can't remember the first the first year. Did you not do hang snatch? And then the next year it was snatch. Yeah, and it might have been the other way around. Actually, I think first year was first year not snatch, and then second year hang snatch. Right. I, think. I can't remember the exact, but there was there was there was yeah. my wife Fran, uh, there was Cara, there was Beth, and there was Jane, and all four of them. Um, you know, they could all snatch. At that point, they could all snatch over 60. They could snatch 65 to 70. And Cara went, the car has gone on to snatch 80 plus. 80 plus yeah. um, and, you know, and that, they're still numbers that are decent now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, girls on the program that are snatching 60, you know, they're, they're, at, a good, they're at a good level. Mm. And I think it just goes to show that how much ahead of the game we got in the weightlifting and the team, the team. Um, showed that in the the two uh, snatch snatch wins. Yeah, nice. Absolutely. Right, I've got a, a question here for you, Steve. Um, so comparing, we're just talking about your first or all your experiences of regionals. Yeah. Comparing your first experience at regionals to your last, and how different was your preparation for the competition, um, and even more specifically for each event. So, yeah, I'll let you take over now. Yeah, so like I said, my very first, I'll, I'll uh, my very first was 2011 when it was uh, at Bolton actually, which is probably about 10 minutes away from my house now. But, uh, <laughs> then okay, I an hour away, I know. Um, I remember actually the first event I did um, for 2011 regionals was a one RM cluster. Um, it doesn't kind of work the same. It didn't used to work the same as it does now. There were six people in the team and not every athlete did every event. I think I only did two or three events that weekend. It was a bit crap, but yeah. uh, <laughs> the first one I did was a one RM cluster and it was red hot. It was scorching hot. It was 30 plus. Um, obviously, it was CrossFit, so everyone had tops off. And... Um, it wasn't until like two o'clock that my event was on and I was just out in the sun all morning and I definitely got some form of sunstroke <laughs> for about two hours before my event I got I realized I was getting really tired so I went and had a sleep and I woke up about 20 minutes before my heat was supposed to be called and I shit my pants I'd just been called into Clitheroe's team none of the team really knew me that much and like I had to do a job for them and um I just remember finding this coffee stand and necking two double espressos and I never, <laughs> I never drank coffee in my life. I hated it. Like, <laughs> I but I remember about 10 minutes later, I was absolutely flying and I ended up, uh, I ended up clustering like 90 kilos or something. Um, there's a picture of me on Facebook somewhere of me and he's clapping together. <laughs> with Miko Salo in the background looking at me. There's <laughs> a profile picture for about five years, I think. <laughs> so, like, in, to, to answer your question, I was like way, way amateur and just like, just, I took it serious. Like, I wanted to try my best, but I didn't have really any guidance as what to do, um, you know, before events, how to, how to warm up, how to warm up how thought would work got it wrong sometimes got it right others um the following year like in terms of getting prepared for the event i remember that we would arrive in copenhagen the day before 
regionals. So we'd arrive there on Thursday and regional start on Friday. Um, and I remember walking for about two hours in Denmark from my apartment to try and find the arena again in red hot sunshine. Um, and my legs just being like knackered from walking. And I was like, I was competing for the next few days. And that progressed over the years. I think 2015 was the first time that I was like, right, I'm doing this fully serious now. I'd gone all, I'd been going all in the train for a while. I was like, I'm making sure that I don't, leave, I don't leave any stone unturned. And I went out a week before in 2015, got an apartment, got used to the food, got used to the weather, um, got over the travel. Uh, and prepared properly for it um, and then that kind of stuck then for the for the competitions where you know you did have to travel it would always be um, three four three well three to seven days before depending how far you had to travel and you know how important the competition was um, so yeah I've gone from from being asleep 20 minutes event and then the first wrestles to get a flight out um, uh, seven days before uh, but I think it just showed it showed also the progression of the of the of the of the sport as well, um, the, the standard got higher, and as as I improved, and it meant like it meant more to me, and I I wanted to get like the top spots. You just have to take things more seriously along the way. And, and I want to throw um, a question off the back of that. So, how did you have any guidance over them? It was it just self learning, literally you making mistakes, you know? Because obviously for yourself and out for the athletes on the program and stuff you yeah. can give them all this information but i suppose you really had <laughs> not so much because yeah. of the sport not being so big and things like that yeah and, and to be honest this is what it's what i wanted to achieve with the program to be honest, is to to give athletes that are following it the advice and help and information that i never had for the first few years of competing and i just had to and no one had it really some people would have, would have had it but they would have kept it to themselves um, the, the information just wasn't openly out there to, to, and you just had to go and learn and get it wrong a few times before you could get it right. Um, I mean, fortunately for me, I've had plenty of years of, of doing different sports and you know, warming up for a football match and you know, thinking about tactics and strategy or whatever. Uh, the same for even table tennis. You, kind of, it's, you just apply the same kind of um, you know, thought process. Um, but yeah, there was many times, like I said, it, like I would just explained then, 2011-2012, where um, you know it was quite amateur how I would approach the competition. Um, 2013 and on, just started getting a bit more serious. Um, but yeah, it was it was pretty much. I think Jousey was the first person. And in fact, I had uh, I had a coach Owen Satterley. I don't know if Jack you remember him. Sat. No, he competed in 2012. No. That was his his last year. Um, he was my coach, but it was just like remote coaching. So he would give me, you know, some um, some help and some info. The first person I had on hand would have been Jelsey, uh, and he would have literally just been there to help prepare my body rather than going through any, you know, strategy or anything like that. If I had any niggles or tightness, soreness, he'd, he'd help me out there. Um, and yeah, and that went, and to be honest, throughout my whole individual career, um, you know, I had a little bit of input from Eric from Weightlifting 101 in, in 2015, but it was, it was just myself. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, I'm going to move on to this question, Jack, we're coming in. Uh, in the warm-up area, regionals, did you tend to see uh, certain countries stick together or was it more every man and woman for themselves? Um, a bit of both, you know. Mm. So it was kind of countries hanging like, together, but it was probably more like training programmes. So probably a good example is like, the training plan guys. They had like a quite a big presence in, you know, Nordic countries and Iceland. Um, so like the Icelandic guys, the Swedish guys, they kind of be all together in one group. Um, at like the 2018 regionals, all the Russian guys would kind of keep themselves to themselves. Like, us, I don't feel like it's a bit different for us British guys. Like some of us did kind of hang out and then some people would keep themselves kind of isolated. Um, in 2018, I spent, well, not through choice, but I spent quite a bit of time with Mitch, um, you know, in between events and stuff. And he'd be chewing your ear off for the first, like, day or two. And I think after the second day, he was, like, top five, or just outside of top five. And he went super serious and went from kind of talking all the time two days before to then not saying anything before, like, the last day. Um, and obviously, he didn't, didn't make it. Uh, on the final day, you didn't have a great final day, but yeah, you tend to find that you know if people are part of the same program or uh, from the same country, they do yeah they do tend to hang out with each other because they know, they know you know they've met them before they probably train with them a few times. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, is there like uh, that sort of people stare like other athletes? You get that. Or sort of like people walking around, you know, because you, yeah. you get that even in smaller comps, like people are like, well, I'm better. And just, is it, is it, is that a lot of that goes on or? For, for sure. So again, especially with the Russians in 2018, there was Gina Malkovsky and there was Ganin. And you just looked at them and you, there was, I think there was one other Russian guy as well, actually. And you looked at them and literally that, there was this Gina and he was probably like. A Dorito, wasn't it? It's a bit like a Dorito. Was, twice as wide as what I was like shoulder wise and I was like this guy looks like a bodybuilder like what is he doing at this bloody competition here um, so they were like the scarier looking ones and then obviously you've got a few of the guys you kind of hang out on their own like Munzweiler tend to you know kept himself to himself and he kind of always has his music in his shades on kind of looking super serious as well um and you you know when i feel like when people do have the headphones on and they kind of are like head down you kind of look over them you think you do kind of think yourself you're like yeah this guy this guy this guy is good he knows kind of he knows what he's doing even if they don't it's just that kind of psychological thing because you look at like professional basketball players and stuff like that who've got earphones on you're like you know he's top of his game and when you it, it's just that kind of psychological aspect i think really yeah um but i don't really remember it 2016 when i went or when i was in the team i don't really remember people kind of you know, having the kind of music on and stuff like that. I don't know if you remember, Steve, if it was a little uh, bit earlier. There was probably some people had, had music in it. I, I remember 
the the Nordics, the Swedes, and the, and the Danish athletes. They seemed to me anyway. They seemed like quite intimidating. Um, mm. Just how they came across, and you know, not that they were like nasty people, but um, I don't. It's just how they talk as well. Like it's a bit kind of like harsh sometimes, isn't it? The, the uh, language yeah. and accent, um, and they're all they're always quite big. Um, <laughs> and maybe because obviously it was in Denmark as well. It was closer to kind of home soil. Did they feel a bit more comfortable? So it, you just got that kind of. Um, feeling from them that they were like you know don't fuck with me don't even come and talk to me because I'm not going to talk back to you um and like you know in the early days us UK lot we did stick together because it it, it was like the Nords and the Swedes and and Danish like they they all had their groups and they all knew each other probably because they trained it so um us British guys and girls um we just set up camp and um you know we warmed up with each other and in between events we'd we'd chill out with each other so yeah, it you know 2012, 13, 14. There was definitely a a uh, country divide. I'd say. Yeah. On, on that then, so did you guys any have? Um, did you ever look at people in your category as a main compare? Let's say um, any particular athlete that you was like determined to beat. Yeah, I think. Um, like I said, having done the 2011 regionals in a team, you could watch, I was watching the, the individuals in between my events and back then the, the individual and the team events were, were always like the same events or very similar anyway. So you could get quite a good comparison of, you know, where you were at. And I always just remember watching the top eight uh, of the individual men. Um, Egidius, Frederick Egidius was there from the beginning, Miko Arompa. Um, they were like the uh, and knew me catching ass and they were like the top um top foreign athletes and then there was like andy edwards and davs dennis that were more uh, from home soil um so, so then those athletes for me for the first few years like when i'd go away and i'd go training like i would pitch myself like going up against them and you know if if they were uh, pitch them by my side basically and um that would kind of spur me on to, to beat them. So those are always in my mind, but, but it's just because they were up there at the top, you know, they had a target on the back and um, I wanted to, to go for them. Um, there was all, go on. Well, I was, uh, there's, there's also a bit of a, a UK, it's like a, a friendly UK rivalry. I don't know if you felt it at any point, Jack, but I definitely had it. Um, yeah. It was like, because us UK guys, we weren't, there was no one getting to the top. Right? There was no one in the top three. There was no one qualifying. So it was kind of like a battle between us like as a separate competition as who would be the top in the UK. Um, I think it was 2013, I got it, I think. Um, maybe Rob Martin beat me, but he lived in Spain, so it didn't matter. Then <laughs> <laughs> um, 2014, I, I, I do... 2014, um, Shrunky and Will Kane came on the scene and they were very kind of, uh, I don't know if they were vocal, I remember them as being quite vocal on just like social media and just like, you know, they, they were, they made it known that they were coming to, you know, hunt people down and, and you know, and beat you. And um, so they were kind of in my radar of, you know, they were 
they were decent athletes that did well in the Open, they qualified. I did particularly bad in the 2014 Open. Um, and then when the 2014 week, uh, region, regional weekend kind of like went through and I realised that I wasn't, you know, I knew that there was a, probably an outside chance that I could get to the Games that year, but um, things didn't go. Too many bad events. And it got to the last event and it was like, right, Will Kane was ahead of me. I think Shrunky might have been ahead of me. It was about the same points. Of course, yeah. um, and it was 64 pull-ups, eight overhead squats at 93 for time. It was the final. And uh, I remember f- finishing, looked to my left, and I'd beat Will and, and Shrunky. And then I saw Will failing overhead squats. And I knew at that point that I'd... I'd overtook them in the leaderboard and lobbed, lobbed me, me belt up in the air. I was like, fucking get in. <laughs> um, but like I say, it's friendly competition. There was not never any like nastiness about it, but you know, you always want to beat um, those guys that are around you. Um, and, I, and I have a feeling that I wouldn't have heard the end of it if uh, Will was top in the UK that year. <laughs> uh, when I, when I, obviously 2016, Steve had to you pull I think you pulled out after the second event because you yeah. back, didn't you? Yeah. Um and Steve was like make sure you you know you're kind of at least top in the UK. Cause I, I just wanted to it was my first regionals individually, I just wanted to go and just see what I could kind of do. So Steve was like, Come on, just make sure you're first in the UK, do a job because it stayed in the gym for the past two, three years or whatever it had beforehand, because yeah. Steve was first at regionals out of the UK anyway. No pressure then. So, <laughs> so, did a job in 2016, you know, and I was happy to kind of come first in the UK there. And I think that second second time individually in 2018, um, like I wasn't I wasn't that bothered about other the other lads in the UK because I I just thought I was like, I'm. <laughs> In my head, I was thinking, I'm, I'm way better than the rest of these lot from the UK. Like, especially in a regionals form, that's kind of the mindset I was going in with. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm close to this top five here. So, like say, like Steve said before, you know, there's a target on the top guys' backs, like Munwile and Bjorgvin and, um, and them sort of people. And especially when like, Bjorgvin didn't have a great start on the first day, like at all. He was kind of, seems like in 20. 23rd or something like that um I remember like being ahead of him and I was thinking and there was a few like a few of the top guys were like a bit further down the leaderboard than what you probably usually would expect after the first day so I was like it's all up for grabs here you know what I mean it's anyone's anyone's game um so yeah um I feel like in 2018 there wasn't as much of you know that rival for the for the rest with the rest of the UK, so to speak. But I feel like if you are just bothered about who else is in your country, you end up kind of limiting yourself. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Because they might be so far behind you already, or you might be just that little bit better than them, and you're just kind of holding yourself back there. So, yeah, it's mm. kind yeah. of my mindset. It was, like, it was like that was similar for me in 2015. It's like I didn't really care about the other UK guys then. I knew the shape that I was in. I would, you know, I would have yeah. been beginning. I had to fuck up to, to not beat them. Um, but it was like I said, Egidius was like, 
in my head, it was between me or Aguidius that took the game spot yeah. that year. Um, I just felt like, you know, I knew that Koski was, uh, Koski was a top athlete in Bjorgvin. I'd trained with him quite a lot. I knew that their ticket was in. There was five spots available that year. Um, you know, Hogberg was, had been there a couple of times. So, um, he had a chance. And then, you know, there was, there was myself, there was Hesketh, there was Egedius, there was Arumpa, there was, there was many athletes in there. But I, for some reason, I just had it down. There was me and, me and Frederick. Um, I remember training in, the, in, his, oh, in the gym that he trained in, in Denmark a few days before. And it was kind of like, nothing nasty said, but it's like a bit awkward. It was just like, we both want to fucking beat each other. Have um, <laughs> it. Your uh, green's frozen there, I think, Kyle. Is it? Yeah. Hang on. I don't know how I'll get that to change. Any ideas? No idea. Just make sure your signal's all right. Yeah. Just crack on. Yeah. Crack on. We can hear you. We don't need to see you. As long as it's a good picture of me. <laughs> yeah, it looks a bit blurry to me. All right, so Steve, recent, recently the game's introduced some pretty savage athlete uh, cuts. Yeah. It hasn't been for the first time, as you probably experienced in 2013 with the minimum requirements rule. Yeah. Um, I'll take that. I was in uh, regional setup as well. Yeah. Um, what was that like? Did that cause major upsets for athletes? Yeah, it was. Um, so I think it was, it was introduced because. In 2012, you didn't need to put a video in in the open. There's no videos you submitted. You just put your score in, and uh, it's out of integrity, and um, that most people would have a, a judge or an affiliate owner that would make sure it was done properly. But obviously, people bent the rules or just snapped the rules and fully cheated. <laughs> um, and there was, there was people turning up to regionals, and they were just you know they were just nowhere near the mark. You know the bottom five, the people. The people that would win the Open and then come last, it was just kind of... Um, so I think the minimum requirements was put in, and especially early doors in some events like at the weekend. There was a three-rep max overhead squat in uh, 2013, and it had to go from the floor. And you had... Um, there was like four different weights you could start off, and I think it was like 60, 80, 100 or 115 kilos that you could start at. And if you did... If you got your three reps, then you could go up by five pounds. But if you didn't, if you so you chose what weight you'd go in at, and it had to be one of those four. And if you didn't get three reps, if you didn't complete three full reps at that weight, you were out of the weekend. And it was the first day. Um, it might have even been the first event. Maybe it was the second event. I think it was the second event. Um, and that was uh, that was squeaky bum time. That one. <laughs> I remember actually, I was I was woman an hour in. Do I go? In? I could do one fifteen. I think I'd done one twenty for three at that point. Um, but I was woman an hour in. Went to go in at one fifteen because it was not many people were doing it. Only the top lads were doing it, and um, I knew I could do it, but I knew it was a risk, and I didn't want my second appearance at regionals to be over after two events. <laughs> um, and I'm speaking to Jowsey that weekend, and he said, "Well, what do you want from this weekend?" I said, realistically, are you going to make the games? I was like, no. He's like, right, so do you, want to, do you want to get, you know, six or seven good events under your belt? Um, 
you know, or do you want to take the risk and potentially um, piss it all down the drain? So I went in at 100 and, and it's probably a good chance that it's good. It was, good, it was a good uh, decision that I didn't do 115 because um, I don't think I would have got it, to be honest. Mm. Um, <laughs> John Reed, don't know if any of you remember him, went in at 115. He was, he was one of the top UK lads then as well. And um, he didn't get three reps. He, did, he must have done five sets of five in the warm-up area uh, with 115. Oh. He just kept, he was warming up for hours and hours, just did it over, he was doing it over and over and over again, got out onto the floor and, and he didn't make it. Um, so that was his weekend over. And I remember Hayley Knowles, Jack, you'll know, you'll know her. Um, the top, one of the top UK girls then, she, uh, she failed to make three reps. Uh, and that was that was kind of a big upset. She was, you know, she was uh, she was decent back then. Was Haley? Um, there was probably there's probably many other athletes, but those are the two because the UK that I remember. Did anyone yeah. turn up? Sorry, Jack. Did anyone turn up and use like they've definitely cheated from the open? Oh, mate, there was there was women that couldn't do double unders. They couldn't do double unders, and there was. There was double unders in the open, and you know, there's these women at the pool. I think I can't remember her name, Eva, some Eva Cortiel or something like that. That might have been her name. Um, they posted that they'd done hundreds and hundreds in this in this qualifying work. I think it was 150 actually. It was that, was it 90? It was 150 wall walls, 90 double unders, 30 muscle ups, and um, yeah, she couldn't, she couldn't string a single double under together on the competition floor. Um, you know, she, wasn't, she wasn't the only there was probably a handful of men and a handful of women um, that that, caught, that kind of caught out and I think that's when they realised that they need to uh, you know, bring some sort, some sort of video submission yeah I, re- I remember 2016 for cutting it like cutting people was pretty, pretty savage on the girls like it wasn't savage it, like it needed to be done but I remember Lucy Madge and Max Snatch was like 60 kilos, and the opening bar, oh, yeah, three kilos, wasn't it? Some, something like that, yeah. Um, and she was bricking herself for that first event, like, like you would be. And I think she, I, I don't know if she only got the one rep as well. Um, and then there was Charlotte Spence for the second event with strict ring muscle ups, like, couldn't do a strict ring muscle up, could she? No, so, I think needed to complete a full round. And that was, yeah. like you said, second event of the weekend, first day. Yeah. Then you're out. You've trained all year for it and spent about a grand to get there. And you're out after two, out an event or two events, yeah. Yeah, they've always been and then, quite savage cuts. And, and then in 2018, it was split, was Europe was split into like North, Central, South. And... The UK was in central with like Greece, oh. and like a few other um, countries. And I remember the two there's two Greek lads, and they were top of the leaderboard in Central Europe. They got to regionals, and they were like bottom two. And I was like, "There's no way, there's no way they've smashed the open like that, and then come bottom two at regionals." You're like, just some fishy, you know, going on there. Do you know what it's, I mean? It was so, a leftist guy, wasn't it? He was one of them, yeah, yeah. And the other one was Theophanidis, however he says his yeah. name. And um, he won the Open, or did he come second in the Open in 2019? And he yeah. won the Open last year. Yeah. Um, tested positive at Dubai Fitness Championships. 
Um, I remember, I remember seeing him, and I remember seeing him when we were at that gym in um, in America, but yeah. nineteen games, and I think uh, I think it was Arminus said, uh, Army said, "Oh, that's that left, this that's that left wrist block." I remember watching him and just being like, you know, he's in good shape and he was moving fast, but it was like he's not Matt, he's not beating Matt Fraser in open workouts standards. No, um, no way. No, no, no way. And there's there's rumor. I don't know if it's true. There's rumor that he has like his own plates that are like hollow, um, just like with no weight. And I don't know if it's true, but that was what the rumor was going around. And um, you know, I'll always have cheats, but uh, yeah. Hopefully. When it's at the top like that, yeah, like it's just it's just more obvious and like you're taking away much more from other people at that level, you know what I mean? Yeah. It could yeah, be, that could have been the difference between like £500,000 for some person and £250,000 and that's like a, a year's wage or whatever else, you know what I mean? You know, wish my three years wage was £500,000. That's what you're getting, lads. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, like, but that guy, he, he cheated his way to the games. there's no no drug test all year and there was just the open so it's like there was flaws even just like last year but you know hopefully with the whole new systems and god knows whatever's going to happen with CrossFit over the next couple of years but um. what about the um, let's talk about the standard of the what was the Europe uh, region uh, compared to other regions around the world Um, obviously it was a bit more of a higher standard wasn't it for people as in, as in workouts that people done in California, say, compared to the times that, that it was getting in the Europe sort of marker. I think um, the main, the main, where the standard was mainly different was just the open. I think the pool of athletes in Europe um, was that much bigger um, that just to qualify for regionals in Europe was way harder than any other region. But when you got to regionals, like the top standard of the Europe region then was some was probably a little bit behind. Um, yeah. well in the men's anyway, the women's was, was well, well, well ahead. But um <laughs> in the men's we were we were we were behind probably, I'd say. Uh until the likes of Koski and Bjorgvin came on. Um but like compared to, yeah, I used to I used to look, even in two thousand seventeen, I think you know we put the scores that we were putting in, we would be at the top of we would be at the top of most other regions, and you were, we were like tenth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, you know, you know middle midway through, and uh, and if you got one workout wrong or it wasn't a great workout for you, you were scraping to stay in the top. In, in the top qualifying positions, um, so it was pretty savage uh, in the open, especially yeah. from kind of. I remember from t- 2014 and onwards. To me, that's where the Europe standard just kind of like went through the roof for the open. Um, 2014 was the year that I, I thought I'd just concentrate on regionals because I I would coast through the open and then I end up, you know, getting in by the skin of my teeth. Um, so I didn't make that mistake again for the next few years. Yeah, it's like in Europe. I feel like we've always been good, better at just conditioning workouts, 
um, probably because most people have got like a, a football, football as a background or, you know, it's more like, depends on like your aerobic based sports that we do over here, whereas in America, it's kind of American football, basketball, you've got to be kind of more explosive, don't you? So I guess yeah. that's probably why in the open, you know, that everyone's kind of so much fitter. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to open workouts, you just got to be kind of fitter at low school, at low school work, don't you? Whereas regionals was kind of higher skill. In previous years, yeah, it tended to be kind of a bit heavier. Um, so that's probably where that difference kind of kind of came in, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So on your experience, and do you would you? When you went to regionals, even as a, even as a team, um, mm. was they harder workouts than going to the CrossFit Games? Because they meant a little bit more, if you know what I mean. So the workouts of regionals, did you mm-hmm. find them tougher than being at the CrossFit Games? Or was it just the atmosphere that made it more tough, if you like? The, uh... Uh, I've... I'd say they were like suffering. So t- as an example, um, 2017, first event um, was worm thrusters and burpees over the worm. Like that was, you know, that's one of the hard events. And then probably the last event where it was 30 ground to overhead. Um, that was like another really hard event. But 50. yeah, I'd, I'd equally say some of the games events were were just as bad, like being dragged along by Jane in that first event at the games. Um, and then there was like the deadlift workout where I'm holding on to that bar, the deadlift bar with Jane as well, getting dragged through that. Um, <laughs> especially in a team, like it, it's always going to be hard, especially if there's someone else in the team that's that little bit better than you and then it can just kind of keep you just about dragging along behind them. Like yeah. it's always going to be hard. Um, obviously, I don't have the, have the experience going to the games individually, but <laughs> I'm sure Steve will enlighten you there. Um, yeah. The, 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 um, especially 2014 and 15, where regionals, like to, for me, the goal then at regionals was just get to the game. So the, I, I was putting the own pressure on myself to have to perform. So that's where, you know, Maybe the workouts, well, the workouts definitely, every workout's fucking hard, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the better you get, the harder all of the workouts become because when there's like a heavy workout or a higher skill workout where, you know, early on, um, it might be quite a fun one because, you know, you don't have to go that fast a pace. But once you get really good at those exercises and those skills, you can then go quite hard and then it becomes yeah. a hard workout. Um, but yeah, like in in the in the team, like Jack was saying, there's not too much difference between regionals and games events. Um, it was the workouts where you knew you were the you were probably just behind the rest of the team, where you knew that you had to like really dig in because it, it ultimately came down to your performance on how the team did in that event. Um, but that's and that for me is what kind of spurred me on throughout the whole of that year as a trainer as a team um knowing that if i get like what i am weakest at up in this team then you know there'll never be there'll never become a point where i'm pulling the team down and um 
I think I speak for the rest of the guys where like everyone was fully aware of the areas that they might kind of um, fall back and no one want you never want to be that person in the team where everyone's kind of waiting on you and you, you can't go you physically can't go any harder or try any harder uh, than what you're capable of capable of um, yeah. Yeah. what about this next question we sort of cover the basis of it but how would you compare the standard of athlete you need to be to qualify back then as a regional in the open and now just to become a national champ of the open so <laughs> To be a national champion, you know, in like Cameroon or wherever else, like it's obviously so, it's so much easier, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but then you've got other countries where, like America, becoming national champion in America, like so so hard to do that. You know, you've no chance until Matt Fraser kind of calls it a day. You, you're not going to be fittest, probably fittest in America, are you? Yeah. Um, whereas qualifying like qualifying back in the day coming top three or top five at regionals just as hard yeah just as um, you know as trying to come like first in America or if it's another stat country but otherwise like with regards to national champions a lot of people get a, a bit of a bye I'd no, go on. I said I, I would compare it. So if we compare last last year, like last year's Open in the UK for the men, was it was a good race, wasn't it? We had we had Trunky, we had Elliot, and we had Zach, and it was kind of to the wire until um, to the last workout. Um, and you know, all those three qualified for the games that year. Whether you know, Elliot Zach won the for UK. <laughs> Elliot got in through worldwide, and then. Um, Shrunky got his ticket uh, in strength and depth, and if he hadn't got his ticket in strength and depth, he was the next one. I think actually, there's a good fact for you. The day after strength and depth, I think that's when Theophanidis or someone tested positive, and Shrunky would have got an invite through the open. Wow. So if he didn't make it in strength and depth, he was getting it through the open the next time anyway. So those three there, those three lads. Um, I would say compared to regionals and what you had to be in the open uh, in, in when regionals were around, yeah, they were they were well above um, qualifying. Um, I would say though that Reggie Reggie would have been at that level where it's just like he would have got into regionals there last last year. And but like if you're lower than Reggie, um, there's a good chance you're not qualifying for regionals. So that's top four in the UK, and we usually had around about four, maybe five athletes in the UK that would make regionals. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Reggie was in great shape, he's in better shape now, but he was in great shape last year. And, yeah. and you know, he has, a, he has some engine on him. So to be able to, to beat Reggie in the open over, over five workouts, um, you know, you have to be in good, you have to be in very good shape. And I think that just reflects how, that's that's how hard it was to get just to get to regionals, um, you know, from 2014 and on. Um, yeah, I think it was it was what you, then then to be called yourself a regional athlete, like 
Now it probably doesn't mean too much to too many people, but then if you're a regional athlete out of Europe, you were like, you were good. You could, yeah. if you did everything legit, you were, um, you were kind of, uh, you know, you're up there. And if you were going in any other region, you know, you'd be probably pushing for halfway up the leaderboard or high, you know, 15th to 10th, if you just qualified out of Europe, in, in my opinion, in, in other regions. Um, the difference was just the top three from Europe. We were always yeah. just a little bit behind your, uh, your America regions. Um, I'd say that, obviously, to qualify for regionals, you had to come top 40 uh, in Europe. Um, and then I'd say, so say, obviously, top 40. I'd say for, like, sanctionals now, where you kind of place in Europe, potentially, it'd be kind of like dropping it down to maybe top 150. Like if you're in that hundred top 150 in Europe, you probably, that's kind of, I'd say maybe the level now. Um, like if you were to kind of look at the leaderboard and take a rough, rough kind of guess of the level. Um, so obviously you're not got all, you do have some top guys at the sanctionals, don't you? And then it's kind of just depends which athletes kind of pick which sanctional they're going to do. Yeah, um, what sanctional you want to choose. Yeah, <laughs> you almost exactly. become a sanctional athlete by going to one of the lesser ones, can you? Sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, uh, I was supposed to be going to Egypt when it was in, when would it have been? It would have been in April. Sanctional athlete. Yeah. That would have been my first individual, individual sanctional athlete, uh, sanctional event. And, um, uh, Instagram. I, it was the first event, second event, sorry was um, power snatch toaster bar, I think maybe two rounds, and, and then it went power snatch, toaster, uh, power snatch ring muscle-ups and the way it went up, and it was, it was a pretty tough little workout. And then it went into a max lift, clean, hand clean, jerk. And I didn't record, I did the workout twice, and both times failed to record a lift. And I just thought, fuck it, I'll put my score in, see what happens. And... Um, then I did the next, the last workout and I qualified um, yeah, I qualified for the individually for sanctioned events and that was with get, becoming that was with taking a, a last place on uh, a lift and you know, so it just showed like, you, you took a last, you put a, a score of zero in in, in the open yeah this is what I'm gonna say then of like how do people call themselves elite athletes if they've just gone to one sanctioned event. Can you call yourself an elite athlete? As in, like, a lot of people do, don't they? Like, oh, I've gone to a sanction. Like, it's. I feel like you've you've got to be at that top end of the sanction. I don't. I don't think. On the, um, I don't think what what competition you compete at defines mm. whether you're an elite athlete. I think your performance is, you know, what what you can physically do, what you're capable of. And how you live your life reflects whether you're defines whether you're an elite athlete or not. Like I said, anyone could have turned. There was there was many athletes that uh, qualified for Egypt um, that weren't. You know, I wouldn't class them as elite. Elite to me means top of your sport. Means it means yeah. you're in the top. You know, top half percent of anyone that's um, even trying to be good. Um, the, the good thing about CrossFit is that it gives the opportunity for a lot of people to experience 
that competition and go against the likes of, you know, I think um, I think Rasmus was going to be at Egypt. There's Khan Porter was going to be at Egypt. Like these are multiple time games athletes, and it gives people the chance to compete against against them, which is a great thing. Um, but like I say, it just because of the amount of sanctioned events and the flexibility now of that season, it, it just kind of dilutes the standard that you need to be at, uh, which is good because you know a lot a lot of people um, were very good at CrossFit and couldn't get to sanctions because they just weren't good enough. So it's just opening the opening the door for people to you know get into the competition scene a little bit more. Yeah. On the um, workout fronts, from the say they say regional workouts to what sanctional workouts are. Do they differ as much? Because you've both done sort of, well, Jack, you've been to a few uh, sanctioned events um, and regionals as an individual. Do they differ? Uh, they, do, they do differ now because it was obviously Dave Castro that was, you know, writing all the workouts for regionals, whereas each sanctional that you go to, someone different is writing those workouts and they're going to have their own style. Um, they're going to have maybe only two days to program events for um and i wouldn't say it's different it's di you know it's different in that the workouts are harder or anything like that because like we said before um you know a workout's only as hard as you know as, as you push um, and you're always going to push as hard as you can um but i'd say some of the not all sanctionals but the program for some of the sanctionals i'd say was it was a bit iffy like you looked at some of the events and you were like it's not been that well thought out this or there's quite a few events that are testing the same thing or um they've been a bit lazy in the programming just things like that was you knew you knew it dave castro you know you're gonna get a good well-rounded test um yeah. see what are your thoughts yeah i think for me, when I was at regionals, is that every event that was that you had to do, it was designed, and there was this time. There was so many times I didn't make a time cap. Even in, um, even 2015, when I came third, I didn't reach the time cap of the chipper. Um, you know, I was 40 bucks overs short or something. Um, like they were designed and made out for the so the, the top athletes could complete them and compete so like, it was like for the top 10 and then like so the top three could separate themselves um whether that's with like with, like when they introduced strict handstand push-ups and strict ring muscle-ups in the same workout it was like that just knocked half the field off most most regions like people just couldn't couldn't do and we were lucky enough to have six weeks to practice but you know some of the early regions that just that just killed half the competition off straight away and, and that was I think that was the kind of, um, you know, Castro has always said that he wants to find the fittest. He's not bothered about, you know, keeping everyone happy. Um, and like, like Jack said before, with the girls, I mean, start 60 kilos that time on, on the snatch ladder um, and do 10 reps. Um, it's, it's, yeah, you have to, they're making sure that the people that do these workouts you're going to be a top athlete if you're going to complete them. Whereas I feel like at a sanctional level, the workouts are maybe, they're just targeted to that little bit lower so that 
maybe more people can do them. Like there's a little bit more kind of like of that touch on the workouts, I feel where yeah. just to keep it so everyone can do them and like so that the so the organizers or whoever's running the programming don't run the risk of people turning around and saying, I've just paid four hundred quid and I can't even do this. It's like, well, you know, that was the same crap when it was at regionals and yeah. you had to pay the same amount of money and still fly there. And no one said that. Well, people people probably thought it. Um, but you know that that was it. You get to regionals, you're gonna you're gonna get tested with hard workouts, and that's what made you go back the following year and make sure that you could complete anything that was chucked at you. Um, I feel like now people get the back up a little bit if the workouts are too hard or there's some aspects of it that are too challenging. Um, but ultimately, they try to find you know. If you set a set of group, uh, set a bunch of workouts for Matt Fraser, he's going to run through most workouts you can ever uh, think of um, in a decent fashion, like a decent pace. So they need to be able to challenge the likes of him. Yeah. Um, so you know, if if you're scraping in uh, in bottom five in a sanctional event, then just be prepared that there's going to be a couple of events where you know, you can't complete some, some of the exercises, some of the weights or, you know, some of the stuff you're going to have to do. Um, I remember the handstand walk obstacle workout from 2018, ring muscle ups. And then the first time they put in the obstacle, the ramps up and the steps down. Like so many girls just got stopped in the tracks there. Like it was just, it was a hard exercise, a hard skill. And, um, you know, look, look at, look at people now is that they've got over it. Maybe they were, not, I don't think many people moaned at that point, but they've got over it. And now most people, you know, it's and some walk over an obstacle is, if you're going to be a competitor, it's just something you need to be able to do. Um, I feel like regionals was always kind of like, it had raised that bar, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, like, oh, we do the hand, like the handstand obstacle this year or, uh, like the stripping muscle ups a few years before that, whereas with sanctionals now, there's there's not like a true kind of baseline across all the events where it's like, right, we're all going to introduce this new movement. This is going to raise the bar again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's not that kind of. It's almost like they, they compete against themselves. So you can make the like one of the craziest workouts sometimes as well. Like let's do this to to raise that bar, and then you know. Yeah. I think when you, when you open up the programming rights to like anyone, um, you know, you're up, you're opening yourself well, across it, or opening myself to, um, across the games, people want to just try new things and just be different. Whereas it like all the regionals events, they were just for time. Yeah. Like it was a chipper, it was three rounds or it's a lift or it was like some skills and it was always for time. Like, there's no there's no burpees every minute on the minute. There's no there's nothing else. There's no fancy things. That it was just like simple tests that were hard. And as regionals went on, they made it better to be able to watch with moving things along as you went into different rounds. There was no like you didn't have to get a calculator out mid workout and you know figure out an equation of how to finish this workout. Um, it was just kind of it just they were just put together uh, in a simple fashion and. I think competitions do find themselves trying to feel that they feel the need to be different sometimes. I feel, uh, I feel like like Dubai doing it's just like 
chest of butterfly pull-ups, but with your hands like the other way around and stuff like that. I'm like, well, <laughs> I feel like, you know, creating new movements, yeah, like create a few new movements, but I'm just like, do, do, do you know what I mean? I'm a bit yeah. like skeptical as to some of the movements that... That was just different yeah. hand position. It's like, what's the, you know, just what's, what's the reason yeah. behind it? And there was like another one where like, it was like sit-ups, but you have... Same workout, yeah. That same one workout had like four exercises that were just shite. They were just like yeah. underarm butterfly pull-ups, deck squats, Savage. like two dumbbells, squat down, touch your bum on a... Um, I don't know if you had to go below parallel or touch your bum on something, and then jump up out of squat and be on top of the box. Yeah, them deck squats, which is a sit-up with a kettlebell and come up. They're just like, these are the fittest athletes in the world, like... It's a fucking joke. <laughs> They're competing for thousands and thousands of pounds. Mike. Yeah. Stop giving them boot camp exercises. <laughs> yeah. So true. And it like, like I, I watched that and I was literally like, what am I watching here? Is this like, this is, looks like PE of the school or something like that. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, are they just dicking about doing whatever they want on the climbing frame or what? Yeah. But they're gonna get athletes doing like if there wasn't hundred grand for the winner or something, would they turn around and go, I'm not doing that? No, certainly, yeah. That's what I mean. The money is power, it's just power. Isn't it? I'd do it naked if there's hundred grand. So I'm gonna finally close out with um, what's your funniest stories from the regionals? Um, anything you can look back at, maybe about yourself, uh, or any other athletes that you sort of picked up on. Let's start with you, Jack. Well, have, you, have you got anything? Funny. Funny, funny, funny. Um, again, probably coming back to Mitch, you know. And <laughs> obviously, in Berlin, like, first two days, it was, you know, in and around that top five, like, he was doing well. And he'd been cycling around all weekend oh. and a few days before on just, like, you know, a normal bike going around Berlin, <laughs> doing, and I'm like, mate, what are you doing? <laughs> You're wasting all this energy and everything else on, on this bike, cycling around Berlin. Every, like, you just taking away them inches there. Mm. Do you know? I, 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 it was all because he, he didn't want to fork out 20 quid for a taxi getting to his, to his hotel from the airport. So, so true. I was um, his coach. I was his coach then. Yeah. Um, coach you couldn't tell him though. You couldn't tell him. No. Couldn't tell him. It's like you would you would say like Mitch, what are you doing? But he'd just be like, oh, I'm just uh, having a little cycle <laughs> around Berlin. It's like, well, like that, I so we, to the games, mate. we had a we had a debrief after that competition, like a few weeks later after you know I'd gone home and chilled out. It, it came up to um, came up to the gym and we had a we had a chat about how it went and he was just like, I feel like I need, um, it's like, I really struggled on that third day of competition. Like I just, I just felt fatigued. Like I couldn't keep up the intensity and, um, on the last day. And I was like, right, so what'd you put that down to? And he said, Oh, I think I just need to get, um, I need to do more competitions. I need to get, just get used to like three days of competing back to back. And, um, you know, he probably won't mind me saying this much now. He, he can laugh at himself. But um, I told him, do you realise that you, you cycled um, nearly 50 kilometres during that weekend competition? 
Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, but I didn't think that would affect me too much. I was like, right, okay. Do you realize the weekend before regionals, you were maxing out at body power? Uh, maxing out his snatch at body power? And I was like, uh, yeah. And then after you maxed out your snatch, you did like an AMRAP at uh, 90 kilos for like, or you did like 20 reps for time. This is when you're supposed to be tapering down for competition. Um, and that was just Mitch all over. Like you say, you couldn't, you couldn't tell him. It was, it was that, it was that up and down. He was getting excited like a good little dog um, before the event. You just couldn't control him. And then a few other funny moments. So one of our first, I can't remember if it was 2014, 2015. It was like the day before regionals and we're in this restaurant and we're, <laughs> we're like, it must have been 2014, we're eating pizza and chips and stuff. And then Rory McKernan walks in, I had to think about that then. Rory McKernan walks in with his, you know, small entourage of people with him. And I, I'm like, oh, look over there, look, look who it is, da, da, da. And I take a picture and put it on Snapchat, and I put, look, it's Rory McKern, uh, Pat Sherwood. That, and I put it on, and then Fran, or someone like that, snapshotted it, or Steve snapshotted it, put it on Twitter, tagged Rory McKern, and he obviously looked at his phone, looked over at us, and then he came over and said, <laughs> I, I, I just, yeah, I got confused between Rory McKern and Pat Sherwood, so... <laughs> <laughs> One of them's bald, oddly, no hair. One's got a Johnny Bravo clip. I don't know. That was funny. Wasn't it? And I think for the next few years, every time we bumped into Rory McCurdy, yeah. we'd go, oh, it's Pat Sherwood, and he would. It was funny because I can't remember this all yeah, years later. He did. Rory McCurdy is like a good looking guy when you think, oh, the girl's fancy. Yeah. He's like the main yeah. face of media and then Pat Sherwood no offence to him but it wasn't <laughs> it doesn't look like Roy McKernan does it so I think it was quite offensive to Roy <laughs> oh god um, wow. have you got a thing to add to that Steve any funny uh, moments yeah <laughs> so 2012 um, you know back then the after parties were, were a lot better than what they are these days and um, there was the after party after the, after the regionals, and it was forty dollars to get in. Unlimited food, unlimited drink for forty dollars. <laughs> I mean, good food and <laughs> drinks like it's just unlimited. And you you're doing this to a bunch of Europeans, half of which are from the UK, and it would just got absolutely out of hand. <laughs> and, um, I Briggsy was Briggsy was pole dancing with Nicky Simpson on. Um, and uh, I just drunk. I, I, I ate loads. I got in. I was obviously starving. It was the end of competition, so I was like, right, all we can eat food. Ate loads of food, and then I was like, right, let's get on it. So I just we just started. I was with John then, and we we'd been at uni together, so we were just like necking the drinks. Like, right. <laughs> because I'd eaten loads of food. Like, just wasn't, I just didn't feel like I was getting that drunk and everyone started dancing and I was like, I don't really dance me unless I'm... <laughs> <laughs> um, so just started just necking drinks and just... And then well, before I know it, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm stumbling around outside, spewing up behind, um, behind the club because obviously I ate all this food and then I smashed all this drink and now it's all coming out of me. Anyway, I... Um, 
I, f- I found a taxi and I was just like, I found a man who was just like, you need to take me home. Take me, take me back to my hotel. I showed him, uh, I kind of showed him what it was called. And he took me back. And I got there and I was like, oh, well, before I got there, I made, I made him pull over multiple times while I got out and was sick. All <laughs> <laughs> and then I got there, back to my hotel. And I remember I didn't have... I didn't think I had my, my room key with me, so I couldn't get in. The door was locked. The, the hotel door was locked. So I had to buzz. I was buzzing all of the buzzers. Someone let me in until I got in. Got up to my room in some corridor. I was like, well, I don't have my room key. And there was no one at the reception to give me a key to let me in. So I just uh, I just got comfy outside my door and just tucked up in a bottle. <laughs> in a bottle and, and, and fell, fell asleep outside my door. And about two hours later, John comes back with Dab Dennis and a couple of us. And they're like, is that, is that Steve? <laughs> I was just like, I was out of it, passed out. And John was like, Steve, what, what are you doing? I was like, I'm, I'm locked out. I can't get in. And, and he bent down. And he'd put his hand in my pocket and just picked out the key like that. I went, no. <laughs> and, I just like, oh. <laughs> and I just, all I remember is the next day is just like, because everyone, I think actually that weekend, the bill that Europe uh, gathered over that night out was bigger than all of the bills in all of the other regionals put together i'm sure that fact came out from somewhere um and i just remember everyone in that copenhagen airport jack i don't remember that we've been we've been to that airport a few times since on training camp and there's like marble um tables near the like in the in the lounge where you wait and you just every like marble table it's like what people it's what it's, it's like a marble seat but they were just you just saw like british athletes just lying down on them like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just completely fucked. Always the British. Yeah, uh, always. Brits, Brits abroad. Yeah. Uh, oh, guys. Uh, well, it's been good actually getting into a bit of insight about the regionals, the competition, and um, probably throwing it back, bringing back you guys a few memories. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's a shame that they'll, um, well, we don't know if they'll ever be back, but. Uh, might there. be. <laughs> yeah, it was, always, it was always a good crack, wasn't it? It was always where. All the top athletes got together and knew that's where you're going to test yourself. I, I do prefer the season now for athletes, the fact that you can go anywhere, but um, yeah. it, it was always a great competition. And um, I guess we can be proud to say that we were, uh, we were there multiple wow. times. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Right, I'll just close it out with saying thanks for listening. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the uh, Spotify account. And if you've been watching on YouTube, quick smile from everyone. Quick <laughs> thumbs up button. Yeah. And, uh, thumbs yeah, up, thumbs up. We've, we've, um, had a few, we've had a few decent little podcasts out now, so I'll get, get sharing them on your, um, on your Instagram stories. And if there's, like I said last time, if there's any, uh, anything you want to cover, we've got the next uh, topic lined up, but we've got space for some other topics. If anyone wants to hear us rabbit on about anything, then. Give us a shout. Was a one. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See ya. See ya later. See ya.